Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today I'm going to talk with David about the haves and the have-nots. Happiness is in the mind, not in ownership. Both contempt and self-pity will make your life miserable. Hey David, it's Grandpa. In February 2009, the economist asserted that over half the world's population belonged to the middle class as a result of rapid growth in emerging countries. It characterized the middle class as having a reasonable amount of discretionary income and defined it as being at the point where people have roughly a third of their income left for discretionary spending after paying for basic food and shelter. If that is true... Roughly 25% of the U.S. population would be the haves, and the other 25% would be the have-nots, with the remaining 50% being the middle class. That is, if you want to divide it with hard-edged lines. However, I suspect that those who fall in the have-nots would look even at the middle class as having. Nah, Let's not whittle on that stick too long. What we're really interested in is what is my attitude toward what I have or don't have. But especially, what is my attitude toward anyone less fortunate than I? And is it possible to be happy, as the world defines it, if I'm in the low end of the income bracket? This message seems an appropriate one to follow up the previous podcast on money. In a manner of speaking, David, this podcast looks at the unhappiness that haunts my life when I am not content with what I have. Some of Augur's poems are included in Solomon's Proverbs. He was the son of Jacka. Here is one that highlights the insatiable desire not to be content with what I have, but to be driven to get more. It goes like this, quote, The leech has two daughters. Give, give, end quote. You know what a leech is, a bloodsucker, a critter that depends on the life force of others to survive. Human leeches are always demanding that other people take some of their own life energy, and give it to them. Sometimes this give-give demand shows up as a guilt trip. Why do you have more than I do? Don't let yourself become callous and insensitive to other people's need just because they are pushy and self-centered. That doesn't do you any favors. Don't let their self-centered approach keep you from being kind and generous. You need to keep a generous heart, David. Remember what Jesus said, quote, You will always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, 
you can do them good, end quote. Since you are a follower of Jesus, there is this ongoing expectation. You will do good to the poor. I guess it's a utopian dream that we can imagine hunger and poverty being vanquished. That certainly was the view of Gene Roddenberry. He showed up frequently in his Star Trek series. But it isn't the reality. There will always be a lower economic class of people in human society. And we will always have opportunities to be gracious, kind, benevolent, even generous. David, take note of what I've done here. It's as though I'm speaking to a middle-class people and directing their attention to the needs of those who are less fortunate. I have purposely directed our attention away from thinking about the holdings of the wealthy. No earthly good will ever come to me if I'm jealous of anyone else's success and covet what he has. I purposely turn our attention to how I can help someone who is not as well off as I am. Notice that I have defined myself as well off, even though, by definition, I am in the lower portion of the middle class. David, it's a mindset. You know this is true. There's always something bigger, better, newer, and more desirable than the thing I have now. There always will be more. I can always wish for more. There will always be more to wish for. It's a never-ending mental pursuit of what I cannot attain. It will drive me in bad directions. For example, I might be enticed by the newer, bigger, better to the point that I become obsessed and absorbed with obtaining it. I might stomp on relationships. I might distort my priorities. I might become so unbalanced that I wobble when I walk. I hurt myself by being driven by the desire to have more. But worse than that, I might learn to despise, distrust, even blame other people because of their success. I blame them since their success has come at the expense of mine, in my mind. We've seen enough of that, haven't we? The poor might become malcontents who are envious and jealous because other people have more than they do. The rich might become self-satisfied. Do you remember the story that Jesus told about the man whose harvest was so big he decided he needed to tear down his barns and build bigger ones? He wasn't interested in sharing his lavish harvest with food banks or other mercy-centered facilities. No, all he thought about was the fatness of his future. He had saved up so much that he could retire to a life of ease, oblivious to the crying need around him. Our friend Augur also spoke to that situation. Quote, Two things I have asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, lest I be full and deny and say, Who is the Lord? or lest I be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. He wanted to be in that middle class, didn't he? Not so poor that he'd become a thief, and not so rich that he would ignore God. 
I think there must be two sides, the poor who are envious of the rich and the rich who hold the poor in contempt. Their attitude do not reflect the path to happiness. Studying as an engineer, I learned the value of even the need for differences. Water flows downhill. That's a difference in elevation. Hot air rises. That's a difference in density. Electricity flows because there is a difference in potential. Examples like these abound in nature, in creation. This creation was designed to run smoothly, being driven by differences in state or lot. Consider how this works in the real world, where there is and always will be poverty and riches. Those with wealth are driven to bridge the difference between themselves and the needy through gratitude and generosity. Those in poverty are driven by the desire to have more than they already have. When both of these have the added ingredient of gratitude for what they have, the system works. But when you throw in contempt for the have-nots or envy of the haves, the system breaks down. The ideal world of God has these differences bridged by gratitude and satisfaction. David, I was deeply distressed at the pillaging and rioting that swept through our nation three summers ago. In fact, I'm going to speak about that next week. Pent-up envy led to hatred and hostility. Not only was that a blight on our nation and cost billions of dollars in damages and theft, not to mention murder, that envy, hatred, and hostility destroyed people. It destroyed the very ones who were protesting their lot in life. It didn't help them. Envy never can. It eats like a cancer. It robs everyone of good. It robs their joy. It steals their potential for improving themselves and their situation. Being moved by envy of what others have is death to all human happiness and progress. Here's what I want to leave you today. Gratitude for what you have is imperative. It's mandatory. It's essential. Your happiness depends upon it. You could always have less than what you have. I think you know that. See your holdings as a blessing and be grateful. That doesn't have to steal ambition. Contentment doesn't equal satisfaction. Contentment is a state of mind that sees with positive eyes the blessing of having what you have. Satisfaction on the other hand says, I don't want any more. It stifles ambition. It's all right to want more and yet still be content. Be driven by the desire to be and have what is within your ability and let that be moderated and modified by contentment and the generosity of love. Always be grateful for what you have now. Perhaps as you make your way through life with contentment and the generosity of love while still trying to be all that you can be, you end up at the upper part of the middle class or even above. What then? Gratitude is the answer. Gratitude. I'm grateful I have these things. How can I use them to make other people's lives better? I love what my friend Steve used to say, quote, what's yours is yours, 
and what's mine is yours too, if you need it, end quote. There doesn't have to be a huge gulf between the haves and the have-nots. All there needs to be is gratitude for what I have and the generosity to share with others, coupled with a passion to be better than I am now. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you've got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about the summer of love and the attitudes that made it devastating. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore MacArthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next next Monday, Monday, have have a a joy-filled week. week.